You got me in trouble. You got me moved to the back of the room. You cost me one of my good noodle stars. Well, who cares about a stupid star? Gee, Patrick, it seems like you would care a lot about stupid stars, considering you are one. What's poppin'? Oh, yes. My name is Andrew White, and I'm alongside the slickest of slats, K-slats, Kevin Slatter and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall, recording on March 11th. I actually almost messed up my intro because Justin's not here, and I normally start with his little, uh, intro but that's because justin right now is competing in esports as he's mentioned to us the past couple of shows he is about to play in the semifinals for uh the mac conference tournament in super smash brothers had a crazy play uh ending it last night we were all watching we were typing in the twitch chat hyping him up maybe a little bit too much i did get timed out from uh the mac esports page i don't think they liked what i had to say but Nonetheless, we are here excited for him, and he'll be listening later on. So, uh, Kevin, how are you today? Yeah, no, I, I was watching too with you, White, and I will say, like, what you were saying in the chat was not for mature was for mature audiences only. Um, Mister Purple. That being said, like, AKA Justin Ellis, our friend, like, not only is he good at video games, he's like really, really damn good at video games. Like the first time I remember when we were in college, bro, and. I, when we were, saw him play Mario Kart, I think it was like in the gaming club area where there was guys, if you don't know, there's like a gaming club in Quinnipiac. He won like 20 straight rounds or something against like 20 different people. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is, he's, he's clearly better than your average Joe. And I think it's something to be commendable or commended for because so many people just play video games for, shits and giggles basically like me like i'm an average call of duty player at best um i love red dead redemption personally that's my specialty but he's really great at video games and that and that's hard because so many people play them and mario kart 2 especially people specialize so he should be commended we'll be tuning into him tonight as well as uh quinnipiac basketball is currently in the semifinals of their conference tournament their only hope at march madness and the hockey team also plays tonight they're in a much more better uh, situation to get into uh, the hockey tournament because they are much better. But Marshall, how are you today? I believe you're outdoors. I'm outdoors, yes. Uh, I'm very good today. White got canceled week one of the MAC tournament, <laughs> eSports tournament, and I'm probably going to get canceled week two, just putting it out there. Um, the night bot is not going to like us. We were in the chat on the eSports tournament page and I was basically just – so Quinnipiac's a one seed. And, you know, apparently they're like – obviously with Justin and the rest of the team, they're very good players. Um, but I was just kind of in the chat acting as if they were these, like, bad underachiever types. And the only reason that they were winning was because they were watching more tape. The Niagara and people in the chat were just like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, they're just better players. Um <laughs> I'm going to keep that bit up. I'm just going to act as if they're these, like, you know, they're just these, you know, work, you know, bring their uh, lunch pail to work type guys. That's the only reason they're winning. They're just winning because of effort. Um, you know, a bunch of effort raptures on a Quinnipiac's <laughs> gaming panel. So I'm going to keep that bit up, but I'm probably going to cancel next week. 
Let's uh, let's be clear before we continue for the word canceled. Uh, that was not the case in terms of, in terms of the meaning of that word. Uh, what what I said was, which did lead to a ten minute timeout, was there was a night bot that said, um, "Follow ECA or uh, uh, Mac Sports on our Twitter page or Mac Esports page, where you can find out like information about blah 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 blah." And then I said. Um, you know what you won't find on that Twitter page? Dot 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 dot. Niagara in the semifinals. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what I said. But uh, we move on to tomorrow or uh, today, actually. Okay, um, let's continue to um, the professional sports world. We will begin with uh, football for a little bit. A lot of off-season stuff has already occurred, and then we will end the show leading into March Madness. That is, it is the end of championship tournament week so for starters the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are staying together four years 200 mil I believe that's still as of right now a little bit unconfirmed uh, in terms of like the money but the four years is there Uh, he said it was going to happen and here he is multiple players on the team said I told you so blah 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 how do you guys feel about it can can they make a run again will they make a run and then choke again in the playoffs what type of team can you see occur in these four years, are our Super Bowl contenders still a consideration? We'll start with Kevin. Yeah, it's um, it's tough for the Packers because even with the Rogers extension, they're still like forty-five million above, like the cap. So you're probably seeing a lot of the great defensive players on their team. You're probably seeing again, like yeah, Devondre Campbell, Smith Brothers, Razul Douglas, like. Those guys are probably like gone. I mean, yes, they're going to be guys like Jair Alexander who's still under contract, but they're going to lose people. Um, Randall Cobb's probably not coming back. If you're a Packers fan, I guess you hope maybe that with a good wide receiver draft that there's a second reliable wide receiver to pair with Devontae Adams for one more year. But you're probably getting a less talented version of the Packers team you saw this year. And the only good thing about that is the NFC as a whole is probably going to be less talented because all the teams that were good this year were mostly against the cap, but it's no guarantee that they win the next four years. I personally would have preferred if they did a divorce. That's generally been my relationship advice in general, whether it's with athletes and professional sports teams or male, female relationships is if you have any doubts, leave fast, do it quick. So I think he should have left or retired. Um, I think the Packers should have moved on. I think it makes the general managing situation look indecisive indecisive at best because now you're wondering like, okay, well, why did you draft Jordan Love if you went back and now you're with Rodgers again? Like, I I think there's questions about like how they're spending their draft capital now. Um, It would have been easier. And I think you wouldn't have questioned their vision if they just traded Rodgers or if he retired. All right, Marshall. You know, Aaron Rodgers is just kind of being a poopy pants. Um, I know that's a weird take, but, like, it's just true, man. You know, his mechanics tense up, like, every year in the playoffs. I defend him every year, and he just lets me down again, you know? So, I personally, I just want – you know, I feel let down by Aaron. I feel let down by Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I know that there are some years in the playoffs that – you were out, man, that your defense gave up too many points. But, you know, this year was just – it was just such a bad 
find a way to go out. They could use another wide receiver too or some defensive tackle help who can, you know, play the run better. But you know what? It comes down to Aaron Rodgers just being a little bit of a poopy pants. And if he's self-scouting, he should probably not be a poopy pants. Good good self-scouting. We we don't want that for him or for Green Bay. But we move on to another big situation in the offseason, and it is trade time. Arguably the biggest trade that's happened in quite some time is the Seahawks and the Broncos. This happened a few days ago from recording. We'll get our thoughts here. So Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos, a place that people thought Aaron Rodgers could potentially be at. Part of the trade did include Shelby, defensive player, very good as well. Um, Drew Locke was involved in that deal. So um, a lot of things were given up by uh, the Broncos in order to gain Russell Wilson. But here they are. Uh, There was uh, also two first-round picks as well as, I believe, two second-round picks, if I'm not mistaken. So one of those being this year's number nine pick going to the Seahawks. So me personally, great move for both teams, actually. I think you know, there's a lot of things going wrong between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. They were never going to win a Super Bowl together, given what's going on lately. And I think it's a good move, and it's a, it's a good foot forward for the Seahawks to progress to building a newer and better team. And I, I do think, we've said a lot of this on the show, that the Broncos are one quarterback away from a genuinely very, very good team, including a playoff team. So will Russ be the same after the finger problem? Not sure, but definitely better than the QB situation they used to have. Marshall, what do you think? Um, ooh, do I want to do this? Yeah, I'm going to do this. I think he's the fourth best quarterback in the division. Um, and people are going to be like, what are you talking about? He's definitely better than Derek Carr. He is better than Derek Carr, but – the problem with Russell Wilson is the dude runs, I swear to God, the dude runs into his right guard, like, I don't know, on like eight of his sacks a year. Just, you know, he just like burrows into his like center right guard. And I've always kind of thought this about Russ. If you put him on the worst team in the NFL, he would actually probably be like top two, top three in terms of raising their, raising their floor. And you could argue because he's basically replacing a bunch of just bad players, you know, at the quarterback position, he's going to look good with Denver. But like, if I'm the chargers or if I'm the chiefs, like I'm not really afraid of him because Russell Wilson, he, he was a magical player for like a lot of his career. And I think he still has moments of that, but I don't know how well his game is going to age going forward because of his reliance on, his legs regards to kind of like his deep play making one of the Packers uh, defensive linemen, he was either Preston or Zadarius Smith. They basically said playing Russell Wilson was like playing, like basically chasing around a chicken. Um, I think they actually like kind of said that, that quote. And I think that's actually true, but sometimes he plays like a chicken with his head cut off. And I think when you get to the absolute highest tier of stuff, it's like, listen, I don't think Pete Carroll was completely wrong. And I think he had a basis for, yeah, listen, the Seahawks, when they were good, they ran they ran the hell out of the ball. They were, like, number one in run rate. They're two Super Bowl appearances. But part of that is, like, Wilson. Like, he lacks certain consistency. And I have a really good appreciation for Wilson, but I just don't think his game's going to age as well. Now, will he be productively as have his moments? Will everyone in the pro-Wilson camp 
you know, have their days of like, listen, this guy's really good. And obviously the Broncos are going to be better. Guess what? Russell Wilson's better than Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. But I still don't view this as this like, oh, now they're like a Super Bowl contender. I'm not fully buying it. I think they'll be the third best team in the division because uh, the Broncos are a better team than the Raiders. But I'm like, I don't know. I'm not as like high on it as a lot of people. Kevin. Yeah, for me, um, I'm going to go back to relationships again. So a lot of times, like maybe maybe you've met a girl or met a guy and you see someone across the bar, you see someone online, and then you exchange messages. That normally means it's the beginning of the end. Um, and in this case, it was like a year or two ago, I think we talked about it, how like Russell Wilson – he basically sent a list to like the general manager where it was like, Hey, like here are some spots where it's like, you could trade me, but like, you could also not, like I could maybe stay. And it's like, all right, well, you kind of like don't want to be here anymore, bro. And it's like, that's fair. That's fair. Like that happens with general managers. Like if guys want out because the general manager is looking elsewhere, like there needs to be a cohesive unit where people are on the same page. And I think after a while you didn't get that with the Seahawks organization. I think we've talked about how like sometimes like their draft years, it's like, well, you're like wondering what the Seahawks are doing. Um, the defense has gotten worse every year since their two Super Bowl runs. The Legion of Boom is no more. Bobby Wagner is gone. Um, and yeah, Russell Wilson, like they've let him quote unquote cook, but like in the absence of a strong run game and him now approaching his mid thirties, he can't run and do all the magical things he used to. And kind of like Aaron Rodgers, he holds the ball a lot and he doesn't make quick decisions to speed up the offense and go in tempo. Just like the Packers. They're actually very similar, honestly. Um, I think this is a win for the Seahawks because they get reliable guys like Shelby, who had like six sacks this year. Noah Fant, who is a good and still somewhat promising young tight end at like 25. Uh you know, you're getting two first rounders, you're getting two second rounders. Um, I'm actually happy. I think if you're the Broncos, cause it's like, you didn't have to give up three or four first round picks for Russell Wilson. You know, we're talking about like maybe giving that up for Deshaun Watson, depending on the legal stuff. But I think it's a good trade for the Broncos cause they weren't going to get a better quarterback elsewhere. Um, now the question being like, are they going to get an MVP? or like a true, true franchise guy. I don't think so, but I think it's worth it at this point because it's better than spinning your wheel with like the likes of Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon or Brock Osweiler. And it's like, well, he's six, seven, he might be good. And it's like, well, actually he's not. But again, like you're better with a guy who's proven than, well, he might be good because he's six, eight. And at this point, like you're probably going to be relevant if you're the Broncos You'll probably be a wild card team. I would not expect contention, but sometimes you just need to be consistently good to get out of a rut so you can go on and better things. So I think it's a good move for all parties involved. I just think the Broncos should temper their expectations and their fans should too. They're not on a Super Bowl contender list, in my opinion. Yeah. And to kind of go off of Kevin's point, I do think like the Broncos needed to make this move. I'm not anti the Broncos making this move. And I also do think that chasing Russ around at like high altitude is probably going to absolutely be a thing. Like I'm sure that yeah. Denver is going to have like a pretty damn good home record. Like I, I'm, I'm also in that camp, 
you know, I'm just kind of like looking at it from the highest standpoint of he might short circuit every so often, like the Rams playoff game. Uh, what was it? Two years ago. I don't know if he was like one for 10 or one for 11 on third down. Uh, wait, no, that was golf. Okay. So I'm, he also had a bad third down percentage, but I'm pretty sure I was, that was uh golf who was really bad on third down and then they ended up winning. So disregard that. Um, but in 2017, I remember that I think white, you might've been at my house this time and Joe was there too. It was like a, either a year or two ago and the 2017 Seahawks Texans game was on. And if you go back and watch just how Russell was moving from then to now, it's pretty noticeable just in terms of the mobility. Um, so like, you know, projecting it further forward. I just don't see like the magical element. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It might be, might be quasi chalked, but on the other end of football, the Indianapolis Colts have also got rid got rid of a quarterback in Carson Wentz. What did he, you know, do? I thought, I thought about, uh, I thought about reading uh, the trade to everybody. It's just categorically unnecessary. If you're listening, it's just hard to pay attention. There are so many moving parts that involve moving around uh, third round picks and second round picks and uh, swapping two other second round picks from this year, as well as like if, if Wentz plays 70% of the season, um, th- there's going to be more switches. So let's just all keep in mind there are second and third round picks and swaps involved in this trade. But if you want to talk about that, you can. But nonetheless, Colts are done with Wentz, and he's now on the Commanders. My take, Commanders, here for it. I'm here to give Carson Wentz another try. I think he did pretty well last year. Well enough. I mean, he's obviously not the the pick of the draft that he used to be. The injuries got to him. But he's he's a good enough quarterback to be starting somewhere. But to hammer it home a little bit more, why'd the Colts give up on the man? This was a team that blew the end of their regular season. It is their fault. It's not Carson. I mean, Carson Wentz made some mistakes. He did. He did, for sure. But this team blew their chances in the playoffs. That's completely on coaching, the team morale, everything about it, including Wentz, didn't go out. I don't know how you don't run it back with arguably one of the best, if not the best running back in the league and that O-line. Just build upon your defense and move on. But I guess the – because now what are you going to do? Are the Colts – they're going to draft one of these – you know, mediocre quarterbacks in which there's two or three good ones that are probably going to be taken before their picks anyway, or are they going to, they going to rock with Brissett? I mean, what are they doing? So that's my confusion on the Colts end, but we'll go to Marshall first. It's clearly off the field. Well, it's, it's on the field too. Like Carson freaks you out when you're watching him because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like he might just completely lose you the game. There's something, okay, like, obviously, we read all the reports in Philadelphia, what was kind of coming out back in the day with Carson. That was an interesting situation. But for the Colts to give up on him, man, there's clearly something with this guy off the field. I don't know what it is. I don't know if, you know, the what's kind of being reported is, or has been reported, is that he was kind of the shit in North Dakota, you know, growing up there because he's you know he's big tall he's six five he's got a rocking arm he can run around and he kind of grew up as like a front runner you know in an isolated 
community. So there might be some ego to this guy. You know, there's a lot of people kind of out there, but there's clearly something so off with him. He also looks terrible, like in pictures. And I'm not talking about his body. Like his, I don't know if he's like balding or if he's like taking like, I don't know if he's on like a eating like oats and grass or something weird or sticks. I don't know what this guy is like eating or doing off the field. But he, I, I talked about this with a buddy. He looks awful. He looks so bad. Um, and you know, I don't know if he's like so stressed out or if you know he's not like acting natural. Like who knows? But I'm just saying. I don't know what's going on with him because, you know, we're not around him. We don't get to see him. But there's something so off about this. Act natural. <laughs> um, Kevin, what do you think? I don't know. Like, I, I thought Marshall was going to say, like, that he was maybe on drugs or something. I thought you were going to go a little bit far. I thought, like – you're like, I, I just don't know with his diet. Like, what's what's going on with his face? <laughs> I was going to say he might have, like, sickle cell or something. I don't even know that much about sickle cell. I don't want to offend people with sickle cell. Sorry. I, I respect it. I, I don't – I will say, like, maybe he's just, you know, it's the North Dakota area, you know, like, very, like, cloudy area. So, you know, it's – not conducive for like, you know, tanning and something and stuff like that. But I, I will say like, what did he do in Indy to like lose after a year? Because like you look at his overall stats, it's like 27 and seven, like 27 TDs to seven picks through for over 3000 yards. Um, yes. He fell apart in the Jacksonville game and yes, he had hero ball moments, like, I think against the Texans one time, he basically threw, like, a pick in the game. That's like, all right, those, those are, like, clear hero ball moments. But outside of that, like, you knew that you were going to get that. But it's like, what did he do or what did he say that led to this moment for them to give up on one year? Because basically, like, Frank Wright vouched for him so hard. And we're like, oh, this fit's going to be great. Like, Frank Reich, his OC in Philly, his MVP year was with Frank Reich, you know, like, I read an article where they, you know, they consider themselves similar and like they bond over like family and faith and like basically like Frank Wright was like pictured or described as being like the closest person to him besides like his wife and like, I don't know, like his mother. <laughs> and it's like, what happened that would cause a fracture one year for him to leave one year where Frank Reich was like, yeah, I'm fine with this. Because that's all what all the reports were that like Ursay, Ballard, and Reich were all on the same page. Yeah. And I don't know well, how that what, happened. That's what makes it so much more concerning. It's, it's, I mean, he didn't play awful last year. You know, we have the stats. I think his film was worse than the stats. Um, but if you go back and watch like 2017, yeah. His, his develop, I, I will say this, his, because I used to be a big Wentz guy around that time. You guys know that. His development arc and just kind of sequence of events that have happened is the weirdest I've seen at the pro level, period, ever. Ever. You know, like, and he had that, like, obviously he had the injury after he came back, you know, dealing with the ACL. He wasn't fully right. 
But towards the end of that year, he just was like, do you remember that like four game stretch, five game stretch in like late November, December of whatever that year was, maybe 2019. He was like rocking. And then he sucked the next year so bad. Every like there's something so deeply like psychologically like wrong with just this whole situation with him. Initially, like I initially thought when he got released, I'm like, well, this is a Jim Ursay decision. Like, did this come down from Jim Ursay? And did he just unilaterally say, like, I want Carson Wentz gone because of the Jacksonville game? Like, I thought maybe that, but I like I'm concerned for his career now because he's going to Washington now where like he's not gonna have Frank Reich as an OC and he's gonna just be there in an organization that, you know, is quite frankly had an up and down, you know, last. 30 years or so last 20 years, really. Um, and I think like, I'd be concerned about where he's going to be in like a year or two. Like I, there's a good chance that it doesn't work out in Washington. Like, yes, they're talented, but um, you know, like a lot of, I know a lot of Philly fans and giants fans and even Cowboys fans were like, Oh, like, you know, this might be some opportunities here. Like they might, they might be expecting a lot of pick sixes. So it's like, I don't know. This could end badly. He's, he's definitely he's definitely going to uh, need a full healthy season before he gets any sort of you know uh, recognition that he thinks he deserves. That's for sure. Um, but let's continue. We'll go to the Cowboys, another part of the NFC least, as Kevin sometimes calls them or refers to them. Um, he's you know a fan of somebody in that division, so he's more allowed to say that. But the Cowboys are planning on cutting Amari Cooper. Save a lot of cap space, a lot of room. I believe he was uh, it was going to be a, a lot of money. I think it was around $18 million or something like that. Um, but either way, where could he land? Where should he land? What do you think? Is he still viable? All that. Uh, I think he is still viable. He's got injury concerns. Uh, he does, you know, great injury concerns when it comes to the hamstring. But speed was never really his weapon. You know, he's a big, he's a truck, he's a unit, he's got hands, he runs the route pretty well, he grabs 50-50s. I don't know if speed is really a necessity for him, so if his hamstring can stay healthy, I don't know if he's really worth the that much money. I don't think he is. I don't think he's worth anything more than about $10 million. But frankly, most teams that only have one wide receiver, and I mean like a real wide receiver one, I think he'd be a viable option, but Kevin, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I guess before we get into Amari Cooper, like Cowboys interesting week with like DeMarcus Lawrence potentially being cut. Now I was reading, they might be in contact with like Bobby Wagner. So it's like, they seem like they're against the cap because of, you know, the Dak deal and then the Zeke deal. Also Um, a lot of people would just say, well, like, why can't you just keep them on? Like, I don't know, keep Tony Pollard and like maybe cut Zeke but it's like, they're still going to ride that out. Um, I also think Amari Cooper would be perfect on the Patriots. I like Amari Cooper always felt like to me, like the perfect Patriots player, because he's not the most flashiest wide receiver, if that makes sense, but he clearly has everything that you would want. Athletic, strong on the catch, great yards after catch, contested balls, prolific route runner can basically do anything like the Patriots don't really have a guy who fits multiple great wide receiver traits. 
And I think he'd be great for a guy like Mac Jones and his development. Cause I think the one weak spot that you can say that the Patriots have is they don't have a prolific wide receiver core and they normally struggle getting wide receivers. So I think he'd be great. He'd be great for them. Marshall. You know, a lot of the stuff I mentioned with Wentz, I don't, you know, I, and I think from what you guys know about me, I really don't like speculating about pro players, like personality wise, but it does matter. The reason I don't is just because I don't feel like we have all the information, but sometimes like you get personality information off of like film off of just watching games anyways. And I can tell you that Amari is like, he's a little like, I don't want to say like, it's not like he's not, not like some hard work or anything, but he can, you can, you can like tap him out, you know, like go back to whatever, 2019, 2020, when they played New England in inclement weather in Foxborough, dude, he got like shut out, shut out. And Gilmore, like, I mean, it wasn't just Gilmore. He's not a player who is just this like uh, adversity thriver. He's a little aloof, a little complacent, even on tape. And obviously like that's people who are closer to him kind of also report that stuff too. And it's just, when you don't have that level of production, I can see why someone like Jerry, you know, the report is okay. Jerry is really upset about this type of stuff. Jerry thinks that, you know, I gave up a one for this guy. This is what he's giving back. He doesn't fit the overall personality of the team. You look at CD lamp dog, Zeke Elliott, he gets crap on a lot, but he's just a total like dude dog, you know, even Dax that way. Gallup's that way. Michael Parsons is that way. Um, you know, so I don't think he like he's the kind of the one that's like a little different than everyone. Now, in terms of where I would like to see him go, my ideal fit with him is going to Los Angeles and playing with Justin Herbert. Now we're probably not going to get, you know, based on the other moves that they make that we will be talking about. It's probably not going to be feasible for him financially, especially with re-signing Mike Williams. That's a dream case scenario. New England is probably the place that makes the most sense because, you know, they, one, they don't have anyone nearly as remotely talented as Amari. Two, they need, like, receiver help. And I think if you give Mac Jones really good receivers, uh, he can look like a superstar. Very true. Yeah, Kev. Yeah, I'm just reading something now. The Cowboys officially cut Greg Zerline and Blake Jarwin, so – they're trying to get under the cap fast. They're close to under the cap, according to Ian Rappaport. But um, I don't know. Cowboys might have blown it this year. They, they really might have blown it this year against the 49ers because you had a super talented team. And again, like the Packers, you got to cut a lot of really good players. We'll see how that continues throughout the rest of the offseason. And as Marshall mentioned, we are going to talk about the Chargers right now as they made a trade, a trade that only involved... Oh, yes. Uh, two picks, neither a first-rounder to get Khalil Mack. Pro bowler, many awards, a dog. Is he getting a little bit older? Sure. Is he bad yet? No. No, he's not bad yet. In fact, he's very good, and he's going to play opposite of Bosa on a team that, frankly, had a pretty poor run defense. And on top of that, almost every mock draft that's been going around They're going to toss in Jordan Davis in the draft for their 17th pick. That's going to be my prediction. I've seen that all over the internet to grab that no spot in the center. And for those of you who don't know Jordan Davis, I'll tell you as a Georgia fan, uh, 340 plus pounds, um, broad jump, the 
biggest jump uh, for a 300-pounder uh, in combine history, and he's 340 pounds, so he's got 40 extra pounds. And he ran a 478. Six foot six, 341 pounds. That is the guy who's been speculated to also be tossed into the middle of that D line, which is kind of crazy. Um, so those guys, Mac is on that team now. How do you feel about the trade? We'll go to you, Kevin. Yeah, White, when you we were in the group chat and you were salivating hard about Jordan Davis and just, I don't know, like you were fascinating yourself about his quads or something. Like it was so cringe that I literally sent a gif of Keenan Thompson, like being grossed out in the chat to just like display my disgust over your, I don't know, infatuation with Jordan Davis. Like, it, I it's, bet you Marshall loves it, but yeah, go on. It, it's, <laughs> it, it was so close to homoerotic, but it wasn't right there. But at the same time, like it was nearing it. Um, But I think you have no qualms about that whatsoever. Why would I? <laughs> Um, so, I mean, thing with, thing with the chargers, like I'm, I'm looking at their cap space thing right now and they have around 24 million left in cap space. Now they can get Jordan Davis. Like what you said, they had a weak run game last year. I think Mac helps out with that too. Cause again, yes, he's a great pass rusher. He can also get in the run. Um, you got Joey Bosa still there. This is the advantage that they have now with Herbert being on his rookie deal. Uh, they're building a good winner. Um, there's no guarantees that they get far in the playoffs, but I think like their offense is pretty stacked. If they can get Derwin James healthy, get Khalil Mack or have a Khalil Mack, have Joey Bosa's two pass rushers, have Jordan Davis stop the run. Um, and you know, a little bit more cornerback depth. I think it's a formidable defense. I think it's a top 15 defense potentially. Um, because I think Khalil Mack just plugs so many holes and then the only things you have to wonder about with the chargers are like, okay, typical chargers, like, do they have a reliable kicker? <laughs> like, like, can they, can they close out games with their kicker? Cause we've been saying that nearly for like 10 years with the chargers. So at the end of the day, like, I know people like crap on like stallion stuff, like, Oh, like, you know, like his analytics, like, are they good or not? It's like, he's a good head coach. Like they're going to be good with him. And Yes, if he makes a, a bad decision, so it might cost him a game or two. But they're still formidable. They're they could contend with the Chiefs for the best record in the AFC West. And yeah, they could very well. the The ceiling is the Super Bowl potentially. I think they're yeah, a contender. You 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 mentioned uh, their kicker problems. I think they need a game plan that lasts longer than three quarters as well, because that might be the worst fourth quarter team I've seen in in quite some years of watching football, two years in a row, frankly, just a brutal, which involves the kicking. But it, I think much. it strongly centers around defensive play as well, uh, blowing leads left and right. I mean, that one year, I think it was two years ago, they had a below 500 record, but they lost like six games by under two or three points. That's yes. just that, that and, and there were games that they were winning with like two minutes left. That's not good. That's yeah, not they were like up by 20 going into the second half and that's like they somehow blew it right typical exactly. charges that was the charges that we know and love all right marshall your uh your take on the cleo mac trade and uh you know i i talked a little bit about jordan davis and kevin made fun of me so if you wanted insight on that i know you froze a bit so uh your, your take <laughs> Khalil mac uh he's pretty good he's one of the best c gap d gap defenders uh in the run game that i've seen uh 
really good, really smart. Um, you know, I would pay money to see him and Slater go up against it at practice because I think he's actually a problem uh, matchup-wise more than a lot of people that Slater faced this year. Um, but, yeah, this is really cool because we have Khalil Mack, Derwin James, and uh, Joey Bosa on the same team, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, like, he's had times where I think he's, like, kind of tuned out certain things at um, at Chicago. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely on board for this is a move they needed to make, and this is a guy, you know, Go watch the Bears and Chiefs when they played a few years ago. Khalil Mack is like, was like a serious problem for them, and I know they have different personnel, but that's a guy that you feel good about going up against Mahomes. All right, that'll do it for our NFL talk. We have three more questions before Marshall's got to get out of here and we end our show. So the MLB was in a lockout for some time. We talked about it a couple times here. We at least let me let me rephrase. I personally speculated mid-May. So that was way further. So I lost that speculation because I believe it is around April 7th. I think that they are trying to uh, begin playing uh, with some rules. So yes, they have figured out all of a sudden they went from nowhere to, you know, we're going to, we're barely going to play 120 games, maybe to one week later, everything's solved. Everybody's happy. We're only going to miss a week of baseball. So if you ask me, no idea how that occurred, but uh, the couple things that I take from it, love, love, love. Extra innings will no longer throw a player on second base to start the inning in extra innings. I am obsessed with that notion. Super happy that that's a thing. I think it's screwed over a lot of teams and uh, a lot of sporadic pitchers as well. And double headers will be nine innings instead of seven. I'm also here for that. Um, I will say, one thing I'd love to see, uh, I guess, occur is like a throw clock for pitchers. That's I think they sort of kind of have one right now, but I mean a legit one for the pl- for the batter and the pitcher. As soon as the ball hits the catcher's glove, I want to see the next pitch in under 10 seconds. So that's between the batter and the pitcher. They could both have like a delay game or something, whatever you want to do. I know that's not really part of the deal and that's not really going to come. But if you want if you want to get the independent baseball people or even people like Marshall who are even a little bit less than independent to ever start watching, that's something you genuinely have to look at. But nonetheless, happy to see you back. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm stunned at this. I mean, I actually said like, hey, I, like this might go to not only May, as some people were saying, but I'm like, shit, this might go to June. <laughs> like like I, I was banking on that because um, before this, I wouldn't say that the owners or the players – Basically, there, there, there was no pragmatism when it comes down to it. But to reach a deal this fast, there had to be some pragmatism. I mean, they knew that they were going to basically lose a lot of fans. Um, you got pay increases if you're the players. You got the collective bargaining. You got the CBT, the tax raising. There are harsher penalties, though, if you do go over. Like, I think if it's like if you go $60 million over, you know, that's to prevent like your Steve Cohen, like robber baron types coming in, like, you know, just, just, you know, throwing the whole ecosystem into disarray, but I kind of like that. And at the end of the day, like minimums raising, the only thing that hurt the bargaining agreement was that there isn't a salary floor. So you can still have teams like the Marlins pay like 20 million collectively for their whole payroll, which is like, which is like less than, you know, Garrett Cole, 
uh, spends when he goes to like Chick-fil-A or something. So that's like a problem. But outside of that, everything else was really good and happy it got fixed. And you're getting baseball and you're getting different playing initiatives that are actually going to make it funner and more competitive. Um, so this is intriguing. Like maybe this is the start of a, a new fruitful relationship. <laughs> I doubt it, but happy they came together. And quasi breaking news, free agency is technically occurring, I guess, in the MLB. And uh, Rodon, starting pitcher of the White Sox, is going to the Giants uh, for two years, $44 million. Uh, great starting pitcher. Uh, I believe he was an all-star last year, I think. Um, if yeah. he wasn't, that'd be kind of Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so good pitcher, 22 a year, and he'll be with the Giants, who are probably uh, trying to defend how far they got last year, but Marshall, the guy who doesn't care as much about baseball, but sort of does. Uh, how do you feel about this? Pretty much everything that Kevin said, um, you know, I, I don't know how strict the pitch clock stuff should be. I'm not really super for the, um, the ban on the shift, although I'm not as informed as you guys. It just seems like it's a little limiting innovation, but I know that it's a lot different because, you know, when you're putting balls in place, sometimes you actually like, they don't have as much like control as like a, a quarterback would have throwing a ball. So um, I'm, I'm for the pitch clock being implemented. Cause I think that the people on the slow end of everything, that's really the issue you want to address. Yeah, totally. It's a disaster. I also forgot about the shift thing. So glad you brought that up. That's huge. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is <laughs> me, me as a, uh, a person who doesn't like the shift in terms of, I think it doesn't even work very well. I'm happy that they got rid of it. I know that's not why they got rid of it. They got rid of it because they think it's too hard for the batters, but I, I think it screwed over a lot of defenses and a lot of games. But it, It's visually a nightmare for your sport. It's like, it, it would be like telling people to like watchers. It's like cataracts for the sport. Basically. It's like, you might as well just like blind people. It's like, it, like it's, I can't even think of a, a rule or an allowed thing. That's as horrible as the shift in like hockey or anything else. I guess it would be like if, if you, if icing wasn't illegal and you could just ice the puck every time. <laughs> no, that's, that's, like, a good, that's a good point. It, it would be like, God, the, the NHL would have such a horrible product if they just allowed, if icing was legal, it would be like, Jesus, like I, I just want to like gouge my eyes out watching this. It's horrible. That was a good analogy actually. Okay. Let's end the show here with a couple of March Madness questions. As this coming Thursday, we begin March Madness for real though. Full fans everywhere. I feel here, like, here. I, I don't know. I feel like we haven't, you know, last year they were trying to pretend like it was real, but it wasn't really because some places you couldn't have full bubble. This is, this is like legit. All, the entire bracket will have fans. People will be traveling. It, it, it's going to be electric. I'm super excited. Um, I've actually been watching championship week, like all week, just because of the excitement around March Madness. I feel like it's back. The last time we saw this was, was like, I feel like Zion's year when they almost lost to Taco Fall. I remember watching that with, with, with Kev in the room too. So uh, I'm jacked up about it. But nonetheless, what do you think or who do you think uh, are the most dangerous teams in March Madness? Uh, team names, I guess. We'll, we'll give our takes and talk much more about March Madness on our show next week uh, that we'll probably do on Wednesday because the bracket will be out by then and we'll have a better gauge. But teams in general that you are kind of afraid of, and I'll start. It's going to be 
I'm not afraid of, but I would be if I was another team. Gonzaga for me, I've been saying it for five years. I'll say it again. Gonzaga, Chet Holgram, they're still doing well. I know they had a bad loss at the end of the regular season, but they're still a dope team. Duke, I think Kevin brought them up last week. I kind of forgot about them low-key because Banchero hasn't really been playing up to snuff, but I feel like he's similar to a LeBron James where he's not really going to try that hard until he maybe gets made fun of a little bit, slash it matters, and then he's going to pop off. So Duke, you know, Coach K wants to go out with a bang. So Duke scares me if I was anybody else. And I'm going to still stick with Villanova as being a, a team that people should be afraid of. And it's not because of talent. Frankly, for Villanova, it's almost never talent. But it has to do with depth, very good role players, non-egotistical players, and great coaching. We've all agreed on the great coaching matter. And it's an experienced team. A lot of old guys there. So those would be my three teams for now that are I'd definitely be afraid of if I was anybody else. Kevin. For me, um, I have the defending champs. I have Baylor. I think they're a sleeper team. I think they're still like, I haven't looked at all the metrics, but from what I've seen of them, still a reliable three point shooting team. Yes. They lost people from last year, but I, I just think like they're number three in the country. And you would think that as the defending champs, they would get talked about a little bit more. I, like I know it is wide open because like March Madness, almost nobody ever repeats. I think the last time people repeated, it was like Florida back to back, but it's like normally like it's always wide open. Auburn, uh, Jabari Smith and like his ability to shoot the long ball as a big, like, yes, you know, you might be like, all right, you can't put on the rack as much, but like the shooting is definitely NBA legit. Um, I gotta be honest, dude. I think people are sleeping on Kentucky. Like they're not a great three point shooting team, but the rebounding by Oscar Shibway and the fact that he is a wooden award candidate and yes, he is 22 and yes, NBA draft people might not love him. But in terms of rebounding, he's so elite that I think he should be considered more for getting drafted somewhere. And he just gives you so many extra possessions by just consistently grabbing like 14 offensive boards a game (laughs) at minimum that it's like, even if you brick a bunch of shots, he can give you like three offensive rebounds, like in one trip down the floor. So I I think that's overpowering if you're Kentucky and I got to be honest, like Kansas. Um, I think Kansas is like, they're not as big as in years past. Like they don't have like Azubuki and like, you know, other guys, but like Obaji, Christian Braun, like, like they have guys who can like shoot it from outside, get to the rim. I think they're actually a pretty versatile team. And I think they're they're number six in the country. They only have, they have one loss at home. They've like only six losses. Like I think they're a strong sleeper team. Also, that isn't getting talked about enough. And obviously Quinnipiac, if they win the Mac tournament, uh, that was a joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Marshall, how about yourself? So I'll have to do some more research to kind of figure out who I think is like dangerous and who I'm like really, really afraid of for that question. Um, regarding the statistics that I like to kind of see, um, just two that I think are a little underrated offensive rebounding rate, uh, situationally based. Uh, so if you can like, you know, you don't always have time to like go down and like really break down like the splits of like, okay, you know, but if you wanted to get like really into it, you could look at like the shot distribution and almost try to figure out what the harder types of offensive rebounds are. 
Um, because that way, if you're going up against a better opponent, well, teams that can get really, really hard offensive rebounds, generally speaking, you know, even if they play in a lower conference, they might be able to have a decent offensive rebounding rate and play on the high side of variance, you know, if they play like a Duke. So I like kind of looking at that stuff. And also mid-range shooting, I still think is a little bit underrated because everyone's like three-point shooting, free throws. Teams will like employ different strategies and, you know, try to run you off the line if you're a good three-point shooting team. So I think some of the teams that struggle are the teams that can't kind of take advantage of like what opens up. And a lot of times what opens up is that mid-range area. Got you. Got you. Um, as well, in, in breaking news, we are going to mention here on the show, uh, NFL-related, that um, Deshaun Watson is uh, not going to be charged for uh, 10 different sexual assault accusations. Uh, me, personally, I don't know all the information. I, don't, I haven't read many other information, so I'm not going to touch on it. Uh, I don't really know if that's our place to do that, but just figured we let you know that that news uh, has just come out. Um, I don't know if Kevin or Marshall want to talk on it, but I'm I'm personally going to stay out. But Kev, it's up to up to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stay out of the legal stuff too because I don't know exactly what's been going on. Like, you know, like initially a lot of stuff broke about it, and the attorney, the opposing attorney, made a big fuss about stuff. And but beyond all that, the football side of things, uh, the trade market's probably going to ramp up, and he could really go anywhere. Like, because I think at this point, like if you're him and what his camp's probably thinking, what he's thinking is I just want to get the hell out of Houston. Sure. Sure. Like anywhere at this point, like he might even settle for a team that isn't, isn't even that good or contending just to get out of Houston at this point. So almost anything is in play. I feel like at this point. And Marshall, are you, if you want to say something about it before we end the show, that's also up to you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin had a pretty good explanation. Um, you know, I don't know that much about it. You know, obviously, I know what the public knows. But in terms of actually, like, making a verdict, I think it's pretty clear, you know, if he did something. Um, obviously, against that type of shit, that's terrible. If he didn't, you know. Um, but in a lot of these situations, you actually don't. The picture sometimes isn't as clear as it as it otherwise could be because you're dealing with people with a lot of resources, you know, who are kind of defending themselves. So I stay out of this type of stuff. Fair, fair. Me too. Me too. Um, all right, actually, uh, well, Marshall already touched on this, but uh, in terms of statistics uh, for you know, back to March Madness, back into the things uh, statistics that you think matter in March. I'll ask Kev, and we'll finish the show with that. But I'll start. Um, Free throws, they happen 25% more often in the second half during March Madness. So hitting your free throws are big, 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 and obviously three-point percentage. But sometimes uh, that fluctuates. Teams that are good at it sometimes blow in the playoffs and the other vice versa. But the teams that shoot the three ball the best, there's a lot of zone that happens in March Madness, a lot of it. But Kevin, finish this off on what stats matter to you. Yeah, for me, it's a lot of what you guys are saying. Free throws matter. If you have a lot of them, it matters a lot. Helps you. How efficient you are as a three-point shooting team, and how many you attempt. Um, offensive rebounding. How many offensive boards you have? Because again, you could have a crappy shooting team that gets a truckload of offensive boards that could turn the outcome of a game. And also, too, like I, I don't, I don't know how you would maybe measure this, but just 
how initially your team defends against the first missed shot, you know, grabbing the initial defensive board. Because if you're able to limit offensive possessions for the other team and then create as many possessions for yourself, fast break opportunities too, are you right on the fast break? Like basically anything that can give you a leg up offensively while taking away from the other team's offense. But those metrics of what I mentioned, I would say those. It's like that six. All right, that will do it for QU Hot Takes this episode, this rendition. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside Case Lats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall, saying so long. It's a great day to be alive. Go dogs and go Jordan Davis. <laughs> I'm not going to comment anymore. So go RJ Barrett, go Knicks. Uh, RJ Barrett, last time I checked, like last four games, I think a couple games ago, was like averaging like 30 a game. So. RJ Barrett coming on strong, uh, looking bigger, faster, stronger, meaner, attacking the rim, attacking the racks. So Nick's going on a little win streak, probably not going to make the playoffs, but good development. Keep the good energy, good vibes going. Hopefully get a good pick too, but see. Yeah, uh, go Bills. Uh, RIP to the Lakers. <laughs> Thank you, LeBron, for trying. Uh, you know, you can't overcome everything. But RIP to the Lakers. It was a good run. You know, we'll see the we'll see LeBron James on the Utah Jazz next year. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. You know, I'm 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 just getting used to it. I, I'm just mentally preparing myself uh, for LeBron. You know, LeBron going somewhere else. Yo, Marsh. How, how do you feel about the Lakers getting ethered in OT by the Rockets? Pretty bad. Pretty bad, man. <laughs> yeah, you know the answer to that, Kevin. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin's like, yeah, how do you, how do you feel about, uh, you know, getting punched in the face last night? <laughs> Michael Jordan probably would have not. I'm not going. <laughs> right, right. All right, we're going we're gonna to say goodnight here. All right, sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs>